Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy's back in studio with us today and we're going to be sharing a case that we've actually been looking at for several weeks already now because it's led us down quite the rabbit hole in our search for answers. It relates in one part to sort of hit and run behavior on the road. Mm -hmm. It also relates to parking regulations and it relates to repudiating insurance claims. There's a whole lot to unravel here. Stand by for all of that. Uh, We might have a gap to talk about yet another online shopping scam in the last half an hour or so, and if time allows, we'll also take some open line calls. But I'm betting that there are listeners today who've had the experience uh, or an experience quite like what our listener Laurie is going to share with us. And if you have and you want to tell us how it ended up in your case, we'd love to hear your uh, case study as well. You can join the conversation on 0214465. Five six seven, or send a voice note to 072-567-1567. And it's a welcome to the almost birthday girl, Wendy. Nova. Oh, thanks, Pippa. <laughs> nice to have you back. Thanks. I mean, Wendy, our case study today actually raises a lot of interesting questions. Firstly, this was a story about what should you do if you have hit a parked car and the owner's nowhere in sight? Is it good enough to just leave a note with your details? Are you legally obliged to report it to the police? And there's quite a case study uh, that this set in motion. And then we turned into quite a lot of digging into parking regulations and where one can actually legally park. And the long and short of it is we all realized that we've forgotten a bit of what we learned in our learner's license prep about parking rules. (laughs) And we need a bit of a refresher course because there are quite substantial implications, particularly for insurance claims, as it turns out. Aren't there, Wendy? Yes. (laughs) And some interesting reminders about as you say, the rules that we've forgotten since we did our learner's license a long time ago. I like to think that we, we, um, you know, retain that knowledge as you go along through practical experience. Yeah. But I think um, I certainly learned some things, uh, some technical things that I, I wasn't aware of, to be honest. Um, for example, it's technically <laughs> illegal to park your car on the side of a two-way public road in an urban area if the entire road, that's both lanes, um, is less than five and a half meters wide. I did not know that. It, it makes it's 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 common sense that you should sort of sense that you're oh, restricting well, the flow of traffic. Yes, yeah. I'm going to be getting in the way of quite a few people yeah. here. But I didn't know if if you'd asked me that question, I would have failed it. What's the minimum width? Yeah, and let's just say, I mean, I can think of a number of Cape Town suburbs, Wendy, where that rule is well, ignored every single day. I used to live in gardens. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, I live near on the Bosch, so we yes. know. Um, yes. I mean, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Wendy. Let's maybe start with the case study that that got us here before we talk further about rights and responsibilities in parking. What actually happened? Okay, so our listener, Laurie, was inside her friend's home in Camps Bay sometime before 10.30 on New Year's Eve. That's this last one gone. When a man left the B&B across the road, got into his rented SUV and reversed into the road without noticing her car, which was parked on the side of the road out directly outside. He bashed into a little Hyundai i10, but didn't leave a note or any form of contact information. The first Laurie knew of it was when she returned to her car at about 10.30 and found damage to, to a substantial part of the driver's side um, and the side mirror in pieces. Okay, so a bit of a shock. You come out of uh, your friend's home and find your car has been smashed into and there's no sign of anybody leaving a note to say sorry it was me 
given that there wasn't a note, Wendy, how do we actually know how what happened? How do we know all here? of that? Well, <laughs> yeah. this is the delicious part. So Laurie went into sleuth mode to try and piece together what had happened um, and who had done it. Um, and unhappily for the driver and the company he had hired the car from, there is a CCTV camera mounted on the wall of that very B&B <laughs> pointing at the driveway as well as the road that it leads into. And the owner was very happy to provide that footage to Laurie. So it shows very clearly a man walking to his car, which was parked in the B&B's driveway outside of one of the three garages. Okay. He was looking intently at his phone. He didn't look up at all. He got into the car um, along with a friend who got into the passenger seat in front. And a few seconds later, he reversed into the road and directly into Laurie's car, which was parked on the other side facing the opposite direction. So he didn't really have any need to go into that lane at all because he was going in the opposite direction. He just needed to... to so he swung too wide. He swung too yeah, wide, essentially. In other words. Exactly. And he hadn't looked to check that there looked. were um, any, yes. any, any obstructions. Okay. So you've got that captured in black and white on that footage. Now, the footage does, I know, show that he did at least stop. Oh, when yes. He and they his both got out. Got out? As what well happened? as some other friends who were leaving in another car from the same property. And suddenly there were, you know, I don't know, four or five men all surveying both Laurie's car and and their, their cars. Hide, okay. Hide car. And then got back in the car and drove off. Without leaving any Without note. Without leaving okay. any note. Well, Laurie certainly didn't find a note. And the, and the it's very clear in the video that they didn't do it. They didn't leave it. They didn't okay. do that, no. But because we had this footage, and of course it also captured the vehicle's info, Laurie was able to then track them down. So she tracked him down and she confronted the driver. What what did he say to her? When okay, so he's um, a Paris-based businessman. And... In his defense, he told Laurie that she'd been badly parked. I forget the actual words, but it was quite you know, disgustingly parked or something quite strong. Abrasive. Strong yes. language, yes. Yeah. Um, but he did provide her with his rental car booking documents. And armed with that evidence, Laurie approached the car hire company, which came back to her standard practice, asked her to supply them with all sorts of documentation, sketches of what happened at the scene, etc. And then at the end of January which was some weeks later, they came back to her to say that they'd only paid two-thirds of her car repair bill because they said she'd been parked, she had not been parked in a designated parking area, which they said fell foul of the National Road Traffic Act, which states, as they said, no person shall park on a public road, full stop. Okay, but it's not a full stop, as we soon of found out. Not. I mean, Wendy, many of us frequently park on the side of the road, um, particularly in suburbia. I mean, there's no designated parking bay painted outside my house in Mowbray. If our friends need to visit and stop that's in front where of the car, park. it's of a wide road. There's enough Which, space. And that's when this case started and the, and the company's response started to really get up my nose because yep. it was just so it, – it was so – Misguided. So they said. So yeah, they said basically the act states no person shall park on a public road. What they left out was the clauses that follow that exactly. statement, Wendy. So tell us more. Okay, so um, no person shall park a, a, a vehicle in such a manner as to block other traffic or encroach on the pavement. Um, uh, the, um, other examples include not parking close to an intersection. This we all know, or pedestrian yep. crossing. Um, or as we said uh, just now, in an urban area where the road is less than five and a half meters wide. Um, and even then, it is allowed if it's a one-way street and a roadside confirms this. Okay. The Act does state, and this is the part that even though they didn't say it, that Laurie thought they might be relying on this car rental company. No person shall park a vehicle on a public road in such a manner as to obstruct 
any private or public vehicular entrance to such road. In other words, to stop, uh, obstruct someone entering or leaving a driveway is what I take from that. Yeah. Um, okay, and that's obviously what they're relying on in this case. They're saying, well, you were parked opposite that driveway and you shouldn't have and been And you shouldn't there. have. Well, they also so, said, and yeah. you should have parked on the pavement. And I went back well, and said, that's well, not that's legal. actually yeah. <laughs> saying it was getting up my nose quite a lot. So it's a tricky one, Wendy, because there is, I mean, there is some, there's some room for interpretation of here. Of course. Um, I mean, for example, the owner of the B&B is adamant that, that Laurie hadn't done anything wrong in terms of where she'd parked. No, you wrote he a, doesn't know her. She's not a friend of his. No. It wasn't his property she was visiting. She was visiting one of yeah. his neighbours for New York. Um, yeah, I and mean, he actually put that in writing for, for yes, the case, didn't in he? in much detail, actually. Yeah. A whole long letter, and she submitted that to the, um, the car hire company, but they disregarded Saying that. Saying it was perfectly capable to, yes. possible to get in and out of our property yes, and with her parked uh, there. It wasn't an issue. Nothing stopping anyone parking okay. in that spot. But, I mean, he's not um, a traffic official. Fair so, enough, but, yeah. But as, as far as we have said, it's obviously subjective, and, and he's quite, a, I would call him an expert witness as he lives there. Anyway. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so just to confirm a couple of things, Laurie, the, the road where she was parked was more than six metres wide, so that five and a half metre rule didn't apply. There was no signage to indicate it was a no parking no zone. No solid There was land. no lines of any no. kind, in fact, on that road at all. So, okay, so the car rental agency is relying on the fact that she was within proximity to a driveway to use as They as didn't specifically say that. The only thing they said to me was she was parked on a solid wide land, and I Said, no, she, I've been white. to the. You, in the video, it almost looks like there is a solid white line, although it would have to be red or yellow to mean no parking. But it looked like a line in the video, which is one of the reasons why I went to the scene. To and that's and when that. I saw it's just the edge of the road. It's a bit of concrete. It's not a painted white line. It's just By any stretch of the imagination. Sort of yes. Sense. Okay. Okay. So it would be really interesting to hear a lawyer's perspective on this. But before we, we go there and speak to a lawyer, let's just bring Laurie into this conversation herself and talk about the implications of what has happened here. Laurie, thanks. I'm really sorry you've had this experience and thank you for being willing to mm. chat to us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So can you quantify it for us? If you have to pay a third of that repair bill, how much is that going to be? What does it mean to you? So it's come. The the total costs are around twenty four thousand for the repairs, yeah. which would leave me essentially eight thousand rand out of pocket, um, and that's way in excess of my own insurance. If I was to run this as a claim, you know, yeah. if I'd driven into my own car and damaged it, um, and if I was to do that and run it through my own insurance, I would also lose my no claim. Correct, bonus. your no claim yeah. bonus. So I yeah. feel I've feel quite strongly that when somebody else drives into you and causes an accident, their insurance company should be sorting you out. Um, but it's been an incredibly, yeah, <laughs> not enlightening. It just, it just has felt like the whole process has added layers of insult to the original, the original in- injury. I can well imagine, Laurie. Have you had any further dealings with the driver, that Parisian businessman? No, no, because I feel like it's the responsibility of the the car rental yes. company to to follow through and to to honour the claim. Um, and I think what's been difficult is, you know, it, with their initial response and saying, well, you know, actually you parked illegally and not in a designated parking bay. It, it made me go and look at all those regulations and to, you know, look very closely at what happened. Um, and we, I sent all of that information back saying. You know, I've looked at the evidence. I really don't believe I was parked illegally here. Please give reasons yeah. for have, your refusal. And have and they done so? No, no, they've refused to give reasons and they've refused to 
review their offer. Um, which is at the, the point at which I reached out to Wendy because <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I, I just feel helpless. And I think what's the other thing that's also become really evident is that there is no ombudsman no. Um, in place to police the third party insurance in the industry. So essentially you as an individual who've already you know, had the shock of a car accident are left to negotiate with these yeah. these very powerful companies and their lawyers um, without anybody there to protect your interests. Um, and I think that's maybe the really important take-home yes. story or lesson. Yes. Um, and the big advocacy ask, because why don't we um, have something like an ombudsman who could investigate and, and hold these companies to account? So I need to clarify a little bit here. This the insurance. The, I deal with many third-party insurance claims, and this ran exactly like one. But the the, dif, the technical difference is that the car rental industry doesn't insure their cars. It's too great a risk, they, they, or the premiums would be far too high. So what they all do is self-insure, but they pass the risk onto the the the, rent, um, the renter. The, the renter. So yeah. that's you, most people will be familiar with the term waiver. We call it insurance, t- you know, colloquially, but it's actually a waiver, which means a standard waiver limits your liability to quite a big sum, 25 to 30,000 rand, which is why I always tell people go for the super waiver, which then limits you to three to 5,000 rand, much less. But And it costs you more, obviously, as a waiver. Yeah. But there are many, many conditions where you are left to pay the entire bill, either loss of the car or damage to the car. And, and there's so many things like driving on a dirt road, breaking the law in some way, you know, being drunk, speeding, anything like that. And they will, they will. So actually, um, in this case, it was quite intriguing because, and we're going to get to the lawyer soon, yeah. was he breaking the law and not reporting what he'd done to the police or leaving a note for Laurie? We're going to hear that now. But yeah, but, but the point is, this, this could equally have been somebody driving his own car with his insurance policy and the, 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 the way the law plays out and you dealing with their the law is, is the same, but just technically it was slightly different and the rental company pointed that out too. But the, the, but the circumstances are the same. And I suppose one of the, the big questions out of this, Laurie, and I can hear you're about to board, board your flight, so thank you for giving us this time, yeah. is um, knowing what you know now, would you have simply gone to your own insurer and and lodged the claim knowing even at the at you know knowing you're going to lose your um no claim, no claim bonus, bonus. um a tricky question i mean it would be very nice to say that's the way to move forward it would certainly be easier um and less stressful it might be quicker and faster but it offends your sense of justice i get this yeah it it offends my sense of justice um i mean my other choice is to take it through a small claims court process yes um that would still leave me short yeah um, but not quite as short um but it worries me that if this is the standard practice of you know, companies like this and potentially other insurance companies, then we really have a systemic problem um, that needs to be investigated more deeply. Um, because then it's not just me feeling <laughs> hard done by and affronted. You know, it's 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 many hundreds or thousands of other South Africans who are in the same position. Yes. Um, and that, that doesn't feel right. 
Laurie, thanks for for making time to speak to us. I know literally from the airport where you're about to to board a a flight, so we'll let you do that. Appreciate your joining us today, and I'm really sorry that we weren't able to move this further for Laurie. I was so sure that I would be able to. But But you really, I mean, Wendy came back to me last week. She'd been to the scene. She'd she'd investigated. She said, there are no markings. There's no signage. There's absolutely no indication from her perspective that Laurie was parked um, in, in any kind of way that could be viewed as obstructing access to anybody. Um, and Wendy, frustratingly, we, we've been trying to get actual traffic officials to look at the video footage and the photographs and give us a comment and an opinion on whether they believe Laurie had done anything that's wrong. The other thing it's that stalled us. quite difficult. Yeah, so we started with City of Cape Town, sent all my photos, sent the video, sent the statement from the B&B owner saying she's this absolutely nothing wrong with the the position she parked in and they just didn't want to engage and pushed us through to the department of transport sent the email before the easter weekend wednesday i think and um heard nothing chasing up chasing up eventually yesterday should i send this to somebody else please we're going to air and i got um no, well, you must contact the city of Cape Town. We don't comment on bylaw issues. I said, it's not a bylaw. These are national traffic regulations. Yeah. Silence. So very frustrating and really poor show, I feel. Yeah. Um, because, yes, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, whether she was – you could argue that it's it's a subjective matter yeah. in terms of was it obstructing or not. But um, to not venture a comment or opinion at all – as the regulators, as our authorities, I felt was not appropriate. Yeah, I mean, if, if a traffic officer can't look at the photograph and tell you, yes, that's okay, or no, that's not okay, who could? Yeah, I mean, who I could? got into my car yeah. and drove there and spent time and energy. Yes, I don't expect an official to perhaps use resources to do go that far, but the imaging and the videos, it's very it's very clear. self-explanatory, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, what we have done is uh, talk to a lawyer about the other important aspect of this case, and the one that really aggrieves me perhaps the most, as much is what's going on with the car rental agency and its 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 attempt to get out of paying at least some of this amount. What really frustrated me in this case was the fact that that man got back into his car oh, and drove yes. away without so much as leaving a note saying, I'm sorry, I hit your car. And after the 2.30 News headlines, we will speak to a lawyer who's going to talk to us about whether that was, in fact, within his rights to do or whether he was breaking a law in doing so. And I want to get a little bit of information on how we should behave on such a scene, whether we are uh, the offending party or the of the damage. So we'll continue the conversation after the 2.30 news headlines. Uh, a few people asking why are we not naming the car rental company? Well, because it's an ongoing um, issue and, and they've and also, come with the heavy hitters, haven't they, they Well, yes. Um, you know, us, we don't normally shy away from this thing, these naming. But um, I had much to and fro uh, correspondence with the company. They stuck to their guns even after I'd done my inspection in loco, as they say, in legal circles. And um, they basically stuck to the thing saying that uh, she was in the wrong. Um, she should accept some accountability. Her claim should not, in fact, have been entertained at all. But our officers tr- elected to try and accommodate her in this instance. And it on, is on this basis that the claim was apportioned. And... Um, we are basically we will come at you legally um, should you 
Defamer. Defamer. They're basically threatening and defamation. And Laurie in yes. particular, yeah. we should say, asked us not to okay. as well. So well, those this is things the other together. Thing, is that right she's now she's got two-thirds of the claim at yes. least covered. And yes. the risk is if you push too hard, Wendy, they say, and well, we, we won't entertain the claim at all. Exactly. So I thought yeah. it was worth doing, airing the issue, and you know, even though we don't name them, which is what we really Pretty did want to do. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's so that's that. the explanation, Barry. Thank you for asking. Okay, we'll get a lawyer's opinion on that aspect of declaring what you've done at the scene of the crime, as it were. Let's carry on with uh, the case of Laurie and the Cobb. Do you want to say something I before we to, do? I meant to say it at the beginning of the show because I was listening to Ernest at the end of his insert um, talking about you must ask to see the spark plugs and whatever. Yes. Actually, this Consumer Protection Act says that you are entitled, that, that the supplier must give you the parts they remove from your car or any other repair, your washing machine or whatever. Yeah. It actually goes as far as to say something like in a, in a clean container, unless you say otherwise. So unless, and I would... I totally agree with Ernest. You should always say, when you hand your thing over, say, I'd like to see the parts, please, because you just should. (laughs) Sometimes it's just educational. Do you know what your spark plug in your car looks like? Um, And and, and, and certainly with sort of appliance repairs often, and also cars at some ends of the market, um, they haven't actually removed them. Let alone um, replace them. Yeah. yeah. Would, the problem is, where do you, they could hand me a dentist drawer would, and I wouldn't no. know any better. I just think, maybe because of work I do, I just think we should, that shows that you're a sussed consumer, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, Puts and, them on watch, as it were. Yes, yeah. it's got to be in a click. I can't hand you this greasy part. It's got to be, you know, <laughs> so that you can. Nicely. Yes, and, okay. and then you can dispose of them yourself or whatever, or hand them back and say, well, thank you very much or whatever. But I think it doesn't hurt to say, up front, I would like to see the like parts you take out of my car, please. Thanks okay, so thank you for that sidebar. Okay, now back to Laurie's yes. parking incident. Okay, so you could hear how frustrated Laurie was and how offended her sense of justice was. And I felt the same way. But Wendy, what really irked me about this case, besides the behavior of the car rental company, was the behavior of that driver who hit her and, and then left without leaving a note. And we both saw that video. And yeah. I think once you see it, it, it really rankles. Okay, so this is one where we can get, I think, a fairly clearly legal opinion there's sure. nothing subjective about this one I mean morally I think it's it's obviously questionable behavior but was he within his legal rights to just drive away without leaving any notification whatsoever that he was the one who had hit the car with us on the line is Kirsty Haslam of DSC attorneys and it's always a pleasure to have you on the show Kirsty thanks for for weighing in on this one welcome Thanks for having me back, Pippa. Sure. So the man in question reverses into the car parked on the side of the road. Uh, I think you've seen the video. He got out. He's obviously aware of the fact that he's done some damage because he's seen on video getting out and looking at the damage. And then he gets back in the car and drives away without leaving a note. Was that illegal behavior or was that okay because nobody had been hurt in the process? It's certainly not okay, okay, and it's a contravention of the National Road Traffic Act for him to have acted in that way. Um, in a couple of respects, first of all, um, he's required to report any accident, um, even if there's no injury and there's only damage to, to property. Um, he's required to report it at the nearest police station within 24 hours, and he's also required to leave his particulars 
if there was the person there um, to take the particulars, then to give them to that specific person. But in other events, then you, you take reasonable measures and you put it under the windscreen or whatever. But you are required to leave your particulars and at the very least report it to the police within 24 hours, unless injury prevents you from doing so. Yeah. Okay, so obviously if you've been in a really serious car accident, you're lying in the hospital, you're not going to be held to that 24-hour period. But in this case, nobody's hurt. He was perfectly capable of driving away. He was perfectly capable of stopping to write a note. Absolutely. And, and as I say, statutorily required to report it to the police. And it makes sense, because it's Wendy here, it makes sense, I mean, for anybody wanting to claim from the insurance, the insurer yes. would want that information um, yes. and would, would, wouldn't work very well for you if you said, well, I suppose you could just say what happened. But ideally, it would help your case to have that information because they'd then want to go after, after that driver once they'd sorted you out. Um, Kirsty, David asking a, a fair question on the WhatsApp line. He's saying he's wondering, would it not be problematic to acknowledge fault? Um, that Would that not have got the driver into trouble with the, rental, with the rental company? No, you, you, you mustn't acknowledge fault um, because that can be grounds for repudiation of an insurance claim. You know, your insurance policies normally stipulate you must never admit liability for whatever issue it is. But what you do do is you say... Um, I was involved in this collision with you. Um, give your particulars, and that's it. Without saying, you know, it was your fault because your car was parked weird, or um, you know, it was my fault because I wasn't looking. So that's not an admission of fault. That's simply to say, um, I was involved in this with you, and here are my contact particulars. That does make me laugh, Kirsty, because I mean, I take up a lot of insurance claims that have been repudiated, and people feeling unfairly so, and then they come to me, and. Um, one of the things that the insurers are so big on, they, they often repudiate because the person didn't tell the truth when they were onboarded as a, as a, as a client. And it's like, you've yeah. always got to tell the whole truth and you mustn't, you know, you mustn't um, bloat any claim. You mustn't, you know, everything, yeah. uh, the whole truth, nothing with the truth. But if you're involved in an accident, then don't you tell don't, don't tell. Just don't, don't admit that. Then, then the shoe's on the other foot, you see, because yes. the insurer that's potentially on the hook for the damage. Exactly, but so it's just such a... You may not admit fault. Such yeah. a Hypocrisy yeah. about the yeah. truth. Okay, so Kirsty, very, very clear in your view that A, he should have left his details, B, he should have gone on to report that incident to the police station, which nobody has suggested ever happened, Wendy, in, in, no, at no. any point in this process. It didn't happen. Um, it and was you, handed and over to the car rental agency and left at that. That's what I was trying to remember to say just a moment ago, is that I obviously raised this with the car rental company in all my emails, um, saying, your client actually acted illegally here, blah, blah, blah. And of course, they wouldn't even being wouldn't engage on that at all. At all, yeah, frustrating. But they're quite right, if I can say so. Um, I mean, <laughs> yes, on a sort of moral la- um, level, one might um, think otherwise. You see, the but lawyers create all the problems. Legal principle, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of legal principle, um, they are quite right to decline um, any claim. Uh, you know, th- that person is an independent person. They're not acting as the car rental um, agency's agent. In yes. any respect, um, they're responsible for their own delicts and yes. criminal actions. So, you know, it, it would have been nice, but not good business sense for the um, yes. Well, And hence, as Laurie said, she felt completely on her own. And although insurance doesn't come into it because the car rental industry, sell, you know, there is no insurance there. But if, if this had happened with some random person in their own car and he was insured, 
if if um, Laurie had gone to the ombudsman to say I haven't been treated they, correctly, they should have paid for my full damage. Um, the ombudsman would have, uh, for short-term insurance, would have turned around and said, "Well, we can't act for you here. We can't this get involved because you claim. you are the you are not a client of that company. You're it's a third-party exactly. claim. Yeah. So she's right. Exactly. Laurie's right. There's nowhere she can really go except perhaps the small claims court. Well, well, she could try and track down the driver if she, uh, you know, can investigate the, the driver's particulars. She um, has, she so did, on. and he just said, you park badly. End of. And deal, well, deal no with rental. That's yeah. no defense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a really interesting comment. Okay, so if his, his, his response was that, well, she was partly to blame because it was how she'd parked. Are you saying that's not a defense, Kirsty? That, that's not a defense. I mean, there might be circumstances where it would be, you know, if... if if she'd gone and parked her car in a builder's um, yard and, you know, the, the damage had happened because of a truck, uh, you know, offloading, offloading yeah. or something like that, then you've sort of voluntarily assumed the risk, arguably. But, you know, if, if you are parked and are clearly um, visible, um, you know, it, you've got a duty to watch out as the other driver. It's no, it's no argument to say, oh, well, you were parked slightly outside um, the lines of a parking bay and therefore I'm, you know, freely able to damage your, your property. That's nonsense. Yeah. That's no defense. Of course, to do that, as you know, uh, Kirsty would cost a lot of legal fees yes. and she doesn't yeah. have the appetite for, you know, something under 30,000. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's one of those where, unfortunately, it's better to absorb your lo- own loss in the, in the long run. Yeah. Kirsty Haslam, thank you so much for that insight. Uh, Pleasure to have you on the show. As always, Kirsty from DSC Attorneys, and that's absolutely emphatic, Wendy. So uh, I think that's, if if nothing else, today the one thing we've learned is that if you are involved in such an incident, it is legally imperative for you to leave your details, not just morally so. Yes. And, and to, to report, report it within 24 hours, which didn't happen. Okay. Oh, well, Piero messaging us from Switzerland saying, a most interesting story. I'm worried about driving again the next time <laughs> I come to Cape Town because of this hit and run culpability story. Uh, Piero really wanting to know the name of the company. Oh, no. and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we really would love to share it with you, Piero, but we, we are acting on the cautious side with, with Laurie's best interests uh, at heart as, as well as... The, the threat of legal action um, should they be named. I think primarily the, the key focus is that we want Laurie to at least get something from the settlement, which she, she currently has on yeah. the table. And and, yeah. and and even though the owner of the B&B says it's not an obstruction, technically it is a subjective thing that would could, if they wanted to drag it out, get you know, throw a lot of legal yeah. money at, and we just don't have an appetite for that drama, quite frankly. Okay, so so no no joy for for Laurie beyond the two thirds settlement, which is at least something. But Wendy, you also um, spoke to one more expert guest to to, yes, to get a view here. Somebody who's always willing and able to to offer comment within uh, the realm of what the Automobile Association does and stands for, and that's its spokesman Leighton Beard. Um, I ran it the whole thing past you, Leighton. Um, what do you make of the situation, having looked at all the evidence, if I can put it that way, as much as I could gather? Um, does it strike you that um, Laurie was parking illegally under the circumstances? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think if you, um, you, you there, there are obviously certain bylaws, Wendy. You know, you can't park in front of somebody's garage. You can't park in front of a bus stop. You can't impede other traffic. Um, and you certainly can't park on the pavement and impede uh, people's rights to walk um, mm. safely and clearly. And for us, from a safety point of view, that would be absolutely critical. And I think very clearly, if there are no road markings that prevent you from parking where she parked, and there's no signage up preventing 
preventing you from parking where you parked. And if you've been parking there for a, for a number of months or years even, uh, and there's been no issue with it, then certainly, you know, based on, on what you told me, Wendy, there was nothing illegal or untoward about the fact that she had parked there. Um, when this person came out of the other parking area uh, and crashed into her, he clearly wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. And he was, in my view, based on what you've told me, he was obviously in the wrong. Um, you know, being from Gauteng, I can attest to the fact that Cape Town drivers are excellent. <laughs> oh, um, good I invite down there again at some point. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, you know, on a serious note, I mean, from what you've told me, Wendy, she had parked there before. There was no markings on the road. Um, she wasn't parked on a pavement. There wasn't a sign up that said you can't park mm. here. So she was absolutely 100% in the right. Given that fact, Leighton, hi, Pippa here. I mean, uh, yes. it's, it's thank you so much. This you're the first person who's been prepared to say it quite that emphatically. That you know, there, yes, there are restrictions for very good reason and for safety reason that prevent yes. you from parking in some places. But if those conditions are not in place, then you are free to park on a public road. And if you did live in Cape Town, you would know that many of us have no choice but to do that, Leighton, because of the neighbourhoods we live in and the availability of parking, and often the narrowness of the streets. Yeah. It's 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 the way we behave. Um, yes. that, that, that comment about the precedent of you've parked there before yeah. is, is an interesting one to me. So if my guests yeah. have always parked outside my car in the street, if a traffic officer was to come along tomorrow and suddenly issue a ticket to say that was illegal, would we have grounds to argue that nobody's ever stopped them doing that before? Well, I, I certainly, a couple of things on what you said, but first yep. of all, I mean, I have obviously driven in Cape Town and the, the, the issue that you've raised, I think is a very real issue. Parking is at a premium. And I think, you know, when you look at some of the stories that have come out about how much people have paid for parking yep. yeah. in Cape Town, I mean, you, you know, that in itself tells a story. Um, and when you drive in certain areas in, in Cape Town, parking is a huge nightmare. And I can only imagine uh, for people who live there permanently, what a, what a headache it must be to negotiate that on a daily basis. Um, look, I, I don't enforce the bylaws. If yeah. there was a traffic uh, official who came past and said, you can't do this, and was going to give you a ticket, and you said, but I've been doing it for years and there's no sign-up and there's no ro road marking up, I think you would have a case and you could make out a strong argument for, but it, you know, where else do I do this and how else do I actually access my property and yeah. park my vehicle at the same time? But from a safety point of view, and this is something else I mentioned to Wendy yesterday as well, I find when I'm in Cape Town, people are incredibly accommodating and, and I'm making a huge sweeping generalization. But certainly the areas that I've driven in where the parking has been a problem, um, if the lane is very narrow and you can't drive through safely and there's cars coming from the other side, people generally wait or they, mm -hmm. they flash you through or they tell you, you know, or there, there is a system and it's, and it's an understanding. Um, and people understand that you can only have one car go through. And I think people make allowance for the fact that parking is at such a premium and that people have no choice but to park in the road. Um, I'd be very interested to know if people were actually ticketed for doing that. I can't imagine, I mean, from what I've seen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And if it does happen, it happens very irregularly. But certainly, I think if you were to do that, um, you know, I, I would say that there's an argument for you to say, well, I'm doing it and I have no other choice. I, like I say, I don't know if that's something that gets ticketed quite often. From my experience, it isn't. No, I neither.
Leighton Baird, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you, your insight this afternoon, speaking there on behalf uh, as the spokesperson of the Automobile Association. So, Wendy, to put this one to rest, I mean, a lot of people on our WhatsApp line just feeling for Laurie and feeling similarly aggrieved for the bad behaviour of the All individuals around. involved and here the and for the, for, the, for the tone that the company has taken. Because they could. As well. So, for, yeah. for me, the takeout is, well, obviously, we've both admitted that most of us could do with brushing up on road rules. Um, and the parking issue, well, we've learned that if you if you hit a car, um, even just a small little bumper bash that's parked unattended and you don't report it to the police in 24 hours and you don't leave your details, not that admitting liability, case. just saying, um, I'm the other my car collided with your yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever, I'm the party involved, um, then you are breaking the law, that, that specific uh, national traffic traffic regulation. The other thing is that while you might not get ticketed for parking on the side of a road that's less than five and a half meters wide, um, and there's regardless of whether they're markings or not and signage, um, while you may never get a ticket, um, if, I mean, the car rental um, case is a, is a scenario, we've seen how that's paid out, but the most more likely one is that um, somebody else hits your car, somebody who's insured, you either don't have insurance or you think, why the hell should I have to claim on mine, pay the excess, lose my no-claim bonus, and so you go through their insurer. Um, I can, well, they usually, if it's both cars are in motion, even if you weren't at fault, even if their driver jumped a red light, they will say you are 40% to blame, for example, there's always an apportionment of, of blame, and they call it failing to keep a proper lookout. They have a bit more of a battle when the car is parked, and then they will start looking for things. And believe me, the, the insurer will say the car, the road was less than 5.5 meters wide. Can I direct your attention to road traffic regulation? Da, 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 um, and therefore, um, we are not taking this in full, and we're only parking. Yeah. And so, for that reason alone, if you can avoid doing it, do it. Otherwise, just hope for the best. But I think knowledge is power. At least we know what we're dealing with. Um, and, and it puts us, you know, we, we do things knowingly and knowing what the risks are. Mm. Yeah. Wendy, a really interesting case. And uh, I'm just sorry that we weren't able to get full restitution for Laurie, but at least something was settled in this case. Yes, well, is, we can't claim any any yeah. um, any uh, victory there because that's what they had offered her. She came to us because she felt they should that be it was paying insufficient. Yeah. the whole yeah. lot, not just two-thirds. But we'd certainly tried, and I think at least we've illuminated the issues um, at play. And um, One yeah. more example then on the WhatsApp line from Alexandra. It's happened to her too. She said a person in a car reversed into our car in August last year in the parking lot at High Constantia Centre. The parking attendant went up to them to chat to them, but they just drove away. And when we came out of a restaurant, we found it. We reported it to the police. There was video footage of the accident. Mm. Everything was handed over to our insurance company. Unfortunately, the car registration number came up with another vehicle. So we had to pay our excess. Uh, so frustrating. I mean, the question is, do we have any other avenues to use? Um, short of obviously reporting that that's a hit and run to the police and hoping that the police might actually find the offender at some mm. point. It's very little chance. Very little chance. Yeah. Very little chance. It's just an awful, awful It's horrible. Situation. I'm really sorry, Alexandra, that it happened to you too. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. Email Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za.
And that is what another listener did with yet another tale of woe from online shopping. Uh, if we are, I think we've got time to close with this story very quickly, Wendy. It's to do with buying shoes online, something you would think is a relatively straightforward purchase. You know what size your foot is. You hope that the shoe fits that that fit and you place your order. But that's not what happened this time around. No. And, and if you're dealing with a with a, um, a retailer, an online retailer that you're used to dealing with, um, all good. But you've got to make sure you are because they're cloned sites all over the place. And this is one of those. So um, Samantha emailed me to say she was scammed by a website masquerading as the international brand Hunter Boots. She placed an order in December and she's had nothing, heard nothing since. Um, There there are no contact details. Okay, so that's something to look for first. If there's only an email address or nothing at all, um, that's illegal. There's got to be an address, physical address. There's got to be a phone number. Um, she says she got hold of the, the Hunter, the actual brand, and they're not doing anything. And she says, and this is the part, um, the website is, um, well, she went to huntercapetown.com. It was the, the link she clicked on, right? Yeah. And then she said later on when she went into it afterwards, after she'd paid, she saw it's actually, the address was hunter without an R, capetown.com. So H-U-N-T-E. So you must all, exactly, you always, always, before you press, before you go to pay, it's just double check, just click on that URL and see what it is. See that all the letters are there. See that it, you know. And also, she, I went on and looked compared to the, the normal prices. At least a thousand rand less than the, 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 what hunters sell for on legitimate sites. So that's got to tell you right there. This isn't a bargain. If it's too this good is to a be rip-off. true, it usually is. So, yeah. so a lot of red flags there. I'm not, I always feel like I'm victim blaming, but these are simple things that you need to do um, every time. Every time. Check that you are on the actual Make website no of the actual company. And I mean, just to be clear, this is not, this site is a clone site. It's, it's nothing, to, nothing do with, to do with Hunter themselves. No. They have no obligation no. towards Samantha at all. Um, obviously, it's it's damaging to their brand to have people masquerading as them and treating customers Terribly damaging. Uh, so you would, you would hope that they will follow up, but it's 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 really, it's not their problem to solve. It isn't. And yeah. just remember, if you got caught and you paid by credit card, number one, if you can't pay, pay by credit card, be very, very wary unless it's a site you've used before and know very well and you're sure that's not a clone. Um, but you've got four months from... Um, the time you paid to um, claim chargeback. So don't let them string you along, which often happens. We're sorry we had a problem with the courier and then the shipment and then the this and the... And then your your four months go by, and, and you can't use that function no. anymore. So has Samantha been able to do that? She hasn't said. I said she. I've just got this uh, today, and I thought let me share it because we're coming into our cold rainy season, and this is just the kind of product that people are going to want to be, be buying, to buy right yes. now. And yeah. it's an expensive purchase to get caught out on. It is. So I'll boots follow up with her, <laughs> and she's got plenty of time. So okay, yeah, this is the good thing. She placed the order in December, assuming she did pay with a credit card. She does have the right to apply for chargeback and say to the bank that that those goods were never received. Yeah. Okay, so that's good news at least. Uh, please be, be mindful of that. And if you hear friends talking about shopping for Hunter Boots and an excellent price on offer, tell them to be very, very careful in scanning the website address that they're shopping from. Uh, Wendy, we'll wrap things up for there. Let's, as always, close with a reminder of how to contact you if uh, somebody else has got a new case to bring your way. Okay, simple. My email address is consumer at nola.co.za. That's nola spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. If you on Facebook a lot, you can go to my site, which is Wendy Nola Consumer, and email me off there.
or my website, but that's enough information. Okay, so consumer <laughs> at nola.co.za or on Facebook, look for Wendy Nola Consumer. Please remember to put the words Cape Talk in the subject line as well, just to help Wendy keep track of which stories are for which shows. Chat again next week, Wednesday, Wendy. We'll do, Pippa.